discourages us. And Lord, it's, it's pretty obvious that Satan is well at work. And we pray that you'll continue to um, help us as Christians to con continue to pray for our country. But I pray for our leaders. I pray you'll convict their hearts to do the right things, to lead us in a way that is, is proper and appropriate. And I pray, Lord, that you'll uh, give them courage, Lord, to not look at themselves, but look at their country and who they are serving as us, as, as ours, us as our people. And we just pray that you'll move in that way. And Lord, I do pray for any of our people out there who are struggling tonight, that you will guide them, be with them, be with the widows, the widowers, Lord. Be with those people, bring them comfort. And we just thank you, Lord, for being able to be here tonight, be with us in the study. As we look at your word, Lord, your word is always living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword, Father. We just thank you for your word. We thank you for um, the ability and the privilege to be able to study it. Thank you, Lord, that your word is so impacting. And we pray for a good evening together in Jesus' name. Father, we, we continue in prayer this evening, and we want to come to you with grateful hearts and gratitude for your, your love, your mercy, and your grace that you show us every day. And Father, we want to thank you for your faithfulness that we not only see in our individual lives, that, but we've witnessed in this church over the years how you've been faithful to us as a church how you have uh, given us pastors that are men of integrity, that are able to uh, teach your word. And uh, Father, you can come here on a regular basis and, and you can grow just by showing up to church and paying attention. And uh, I just want to thank you for that. I know that it's not to... Uh, take the place of our our devotions that we have ourselves every day but father what a what a privilege it is to be in a teaching church that teaches your word and i just pray that we will never take that for granted and father i want to thank you for the folks that are here tonight and uh, thank you for the safety uh, you gave them on the road and uh, we pray the same as we we leave here this evening that uh, you'll give us safety as we uh, travel home. And Father, I just ask you to be with the, the one that brings the message tonight, that we'd be attentive, that we'd be open hearts and minds to, to learn from your word and to apply it to our own lives. In Jesus' name we pray.
That on? There we go. All right. Well, as I was saying, um, we are glad that you are all with us this evening, whether in person or online. We're certainly thankful for uh, you being with us, and we encourage you to to uh, lift up um, the church here in prayer. Um, but we're going to turn our attention to the Word of God this evening. I encourage you to open up your Bibles to the book of James. Uh, James chapter 1, I'm going to be just looking at three verses. I don't plan on being real long this evening, but just share a few thoughts from God's Word. And uh, just hopefully by way of encouragement, we're going to be looking at James chapter 1, verses uh, 9 through 12, excuse me, 9 through 11. As we look at James, the first chapter, you're familiar with it. I've, I've spoken on it a few occasions now. Um, but it tells us that we are to, um, in verse 2, count it all joy when we fall into various trials. And we, we can do that. We can have joy, you know, not because of the fact that something, in some cases, uh, maybe the result of somebody else's sin or our sin, or, you know, not, not because um, there is a pressure being put on us. Uh, through a trial, but rather what the result of that pressure will be. We can, we can have joy in that pressure, in that trial, because of the result of what it's going to bring about. Because it says in verse 3, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. The idea is, here is that you're going to grow in your spiritual maturity. That is the purpose of trials in our lives. And sometimes we don't necessarily like that, but we, we know that that is uh, the end result. We know that God is working in us to perfect us, to make us more like him. And we understand that uh, this is actually a good thing. Many times when we look at trials, it doesn't feel like a good thing, but it, the end result can be extremely positive. And as we go through that trial, we can understand that we're going to lack wisdom. We're going we're gonna to lack the understanding of how to handle the situation, the right choices to make. And so he tells us that if you lack wisdom, verse 5, if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. And we've, we've talked at length about those things, but kind of key words I want to pick out from this is that we need to um, count it all joy. That has to do with our, our attitude and, and how we approach this. And then the next thing is we need to know, know something. Uh, that has to do with our understanding, having an understanding heart. Know this, that the testing of your faith produces patience. Know that that's a good thing. Okay, so we start with the right attitude. We, we have a proper understanding, a proper heart understanding of the trial. And then it says, let patience have its perfect work. The idea of let patience have its perfect work is this idea of a divine human cooperative. We need to work in cooperation with the Holy Spirit, with God, because we know that God is working in us to perfect us, to make us more like him. And so God is always going to be at work. We understand that. And yet there is this um, imperative 
that we let patience have its perfect work. So there's a responsibility on our part as well. It's this cooperation with God and for our own good, for our personal growth, and for the glory of our God. And so we see that um, there's this cooperation, but also this cooperation takes faith. And that faith is ultimately uh, dependent upon our God as well. We need to have faith, um, yet our faith is a result of the grace of God in our lives. And we need to then, lastly, we need to ask. When we lack wisdom, we need to ask. So we need to um, count it all joy. We need to know. We need to let. And we need to ask. These are four imperatives as we go through this portion. Now I want to jump back just briefly to that let section. Let, and in verse 4, let patience have its perfect work. And I think we see an example of that in verses 9 through 11. I think we see an example of that in verses 9 through 11. So follow along as I read through this. It says, let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as, because as a flower of the field he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen from a burning heat than it withers the grass. Its flowers fall and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. And it's funny as we kind of read through this passage, uh, this chapter 1, we, we understand the whole trial section, right? Verses 1 through 8, trials. And then we jump down to verse 12 temptation we get that and right in the middle of this is this seemingly odd portion of scripture that deals with this rich and and poor individuals what does that have to do with anything right how does that fit in and i I think it fits in actually very nicely because one of the things that we understand as we read through the book of james is one of the struggles that the church had and i think not just this church but this is probably a universal issue, is there were um, people who were coming from different economic backgrounds that were within the church. And we see, in fact, in, in the Corinthian church, that was an issue when it came to the Lord's Supper. We saw that um, there, uh, there were those who were bringing lots of food and indulging themselves and those who had none. And so we, we see this kind of this class situation that was happening, and James is sort of addressing that issue here as it relates to one's difficulties, as it relates to one's trials that they go through, and the temptation that can come from it. <clears throat> so, um, and he addresses this idea, by the way, of uh, the rich and the, and the poor throughout James, throughout the epistle here. He deals with this, these different groups of people. And so we see that the lowly brother is to glory in his exaltation. And I believe when we look at that, that lowly brother, it's actually referring, and I've already mentioned this, it's referring to a financial uh, situation that they find themselves in. They're not wealthy. In fact, they're probably poor. And he says they are to glory um, in Uh, in his exaltation, but the rich, in contrast, in his humiliation, and it tells us then why. Well, different people have different uh, interpretations of this passage, or they kind of disagree slightly on this, but I'm going to read something to you from Warren Wearsby. I think he sums this up real nicely here. It says in 
in James 1, 9 through 11, James applies his principles to two different kinds of Christian. This idea of let patients have his perfect work is the principle he's referring to. The poor and the rich. Apparently, money and social status were real problems among these people. <clears throat> and we can, again, he quotes different parts of James as evidence of that. God's testing has a way of leveling us. When testing comes to the poor man, he lets God have his way and rejoices that he possesses spiritual riches that cannot be taken from him. When testing comes to the rich, he also lets God has, have his way and rejoices that his riches in Christ cannot wither or fade away. In other words, it is not your material resources that take you through the testing of life. It is your spiritual resources. And I think we see that as we go through this. As, as a person who has not much means, and we think about in that day, they don't have much means, and probably not anticipating that that's going to change. One thing that we have in America is the opportunity to improve ourselves, to, to go from you know, sort of the rags to riches story. In the culture there, that would have been a whole lot more difficult to do. And so where they find themselves, uh, the status they find themselves in life economically is probably where they're going to be. And so the temptation, of course, in that is to kind of grumble and complain against that or, or feel like life is not fair or um, feel as though the problems that I'm experiencing in life would not exist if I had more wealth. Um, and so James' exaltation or his, his encouragement to uh, these individuals is to not focus on what I don't have. For his riches are not going to be in this life, but in the life to come. And so he says, I want you to have a proper perspective about this. In fact, it's, it's very easy to, to feel this way. I, I think our society is to some degree moving this way. Um, the, the person who has not uh, feels as though they are um, being treated unfairly. There's not uh, equality. And so I deserve because somebody else has. Well, that is not the attitude, that is not the admonition that James is giving to him. He says, instead of focusing on things of this world, focus on uh, what is to come. Focus on the eternal value. And I want to step back. I don't believe that's just necessarily, it is the riches to come. It's the inheritance that we have in Christ, absolutely. But at the same time, I believe he's speaking to a brother in Christ here. So that brother in Christ, or that sister in Christ, was not saved by things of this earth. They were saved by the grace of God, um, and it was through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. It was nothing that they could do on their own. They were saved, and it was a spiritual thing. And so the issue that they're facing right here, James is trying to help them to have a proper perspective. It is not going to be solved by having earthly possessions. The issues that we face in life is not going to be solved by having stuff or having more stuff than we currently have. The issues are going to be solved of life is when we have a proper perspective of who our God is and the spiritual blessings he gives us through the difficulties. When we look at the first part of James, he says that the trials are going to produce in a deeper faith and a deeper maturity. 
And that's what he's addressing here with the one who has, doesn't have. For the one who has, for the one who has, he has a different encouragement for them. And it, and it can be a little bit confusing because it says, um, but, the rich, but the rich in his humiliation. So I, I think this is a continuation of the thought. He's talking to a brother in Christ who is wealthy. Okay? Some disagree with that. Some think that it's talking about one who you know, is saved is the poor. The one who's not saved is, is the one who's rich. I don't think that's what he's getting at here. Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich brother in his humiliation. In other words, it's not that um, the, there's anything wrong with being wealthy or having wealth. It is the idea that when we go through trials, we're on the same playing field here. Okay? The, the poor has got to look to God and by, by um, seeing, kind of looking up to the riches he has in God, the one who is rich has to realize what he has is not the solution. But it is humbling himself and realizing that I need the same solution as what the poor man does. It's a spiritual issue. It's a spiritual problem. And so I need to sort of, in a sense, humiliate myself or come down to a standard of not thinking I'm higher, better off, more blessed, more spiritual than the poor because I have, but rather we're on the same playing field before Christ, right? And it is a spiritual issue that needs to be dealt with. And he goes on and talking about this, the one that has, he, he gives them a proper perspective. He says, because the flower of the field uh, excuse me, because as a flower of the field, he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen from the burning heat than it withers the grass, its flowers fall, and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. You know, I think in many cases in our American society, we probably struggle more with the rich than we do the poor. Now, all of us probably could wish that we had more. All of us could probably wish to some degree that we had um, something else that somebody else has. Okay? We can always think of things that we wish we had. But the rich can do that too. The rich can always wish to be richer. The, wish, the rich can always wish to have more. Okay? Um, but here in America, I think um, we probably struggle a little bit more with the wealth. Because we have much, we can get through life not having to give a thought towards God. We can accomplish goals in life because our culture is such that we can go to our jobs, we can um, put food at our table, we can do all these things, accomplish uh, entertainment, and not necessarily give thought to God. And when we do that, we have a hard time humbling ourselves when we need to come to God. And so... He here is given a reminder that the rich man, though he has much, all that he has is not going to last, nor he himself going to last. In fact, he says, um, so the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. It's kind of a scary picture here. Here is a picture of one who is pursuing who is going after, who is acquiring wealth, or whatever it might be, and in that moment, he passes away. 
it reminds us maybe of a couple of different passages. It reminds me of a passage there in Luke chapter 12, verse 13 through 21, where um, Jesus is teaching uh, about a man who has great wealth, great prosperity, and he even goes so far as to say he's going to uh, tear down the current barns he has and build larger ones so he can gather up more grain, more essentially more wealth. But the problem is he doesn't give regard to God in that. And kind of the, the point hits home in verse 20 of that passage when it says, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, those will, or whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. So I believe the encouragement here is that for the one who has little, look to God. Exalt in that, in, in, in your high status as a child of God. Exalt in that. Make that your aim. Make that your, your focus. For the rich, don't depend on the stuff that we have. Put your trust fully in the one who has blessed you with what you have. Put your focus there. Whether we, that perspective changes depending on our situation, either way, whether we think we need or we think we don't need God, let me say that differently, whether we think that we need stuff to solve problem, look to God. Whether we think we have what we need to solve the problem, look to God is the idea here. Um, yes. Yes. Right. Right. It, 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 perfect. And so, either way, right? Because the, the poor can focus on what they ha don't have. And the reality, it withers, it fades away, it's gone. And so it, it neither saved them, nor is it going to sustain them. Whether rich or poor, it neither, it neither saves them nor sustains them. And, and that's where he's getting at here. Because how many times can we go through a difficulty? How many times can we go through a trial, in which, like financial trial, if I just had? Well, if you just had, would you be dependent on God? Would you put your trust in God? Okay? Um, you know, whether it be a financial issue, whether it be a social issue, whether it be a um, talent issue, whether it be a whatever issue. Each one, I believe, James has pointed us back, is a spiritual issue. It's not about whether or not I have something or don't have something. It's about who am I trusting in. Um, and, that's, and that's the main point because he's going to get into the net rest rest of this chapter here, and he's going to deal with the idea of temptation. Because if we have the wrong perspective going through trials, we have a wrong perspective of what we have or don't have, then there's going to be a strong temptation to blame God rather than to look to him. Because, just to read the next verse, uh, actually verse 13, it says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. Well, God didn't give me well, God, if I had the life of this person, well, then I want to have to 
deal with this, and my life would be better, whatever, you know, we can easily blame God for our lot in life, right? And James is saying, no, 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 no. Whether you have, whether you have not, have an eternal perspective. Look beyond the things of this world. Look to the one who not only saves your soul, but sustains it, if that makes sense. So, good thought, good thought. Any other thoughts? There's so much more we could dive in on this passage, which we're not going to this evening, just kind of an overview. So, well, let's close in a word of prayer. And then I'll turn it back over to Pastor Mike. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for this evening. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the clarity it gives us about our having a proper perspective before you. I pray that, Lord, whether we think that we deserve, whether that we think that we should have, um, whether that we have and we have um, neglected you, Lord, I pray that you would change our focus. You would give us a proper understanding of the trials that we go through, through the challenges that we go through, through the temptations that we go through, and that we would look to you, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. Lord, help our eyes to be on you. I pray that you would just um, open our eyes to the truth of your word. Um, help us not to live in an ungodly way without thought of you. Help us in every decision, in every, in every thought, in every um, move we make that, Lord, that you would be a part of our thinking. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.